Do you want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. It lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. You know I love that, and I promise you the other platforms don't offer that. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can also earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. I've been using Spotify for Podcasters from the very start. I highly recommend you give it a try. Just don't post on Monday. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome, everyone, to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross. What I have right here, you see this piece piece of paper? It is a real-life ATP draw. I want to make sure you can't see my horrendous and embarrassing handwriting, but I am holding in my hand the Western and Southern Open draw, which is a real draw, and real ATP-level tennis is about to be played starting tomorrow. Um, I wanted to wait for the qualifiers to finish before I started recording this preview video. Uh, If you are new to the channel, here's how this works. I will go quarter by quarter. Uh, I will tell you who the top seeds in each quarter are. I will tell you who I think will be in the quarterfinal. I will tell you who I believe is a dark horse. I will put someone on upset alert, and I will let you know which early round matchup I'm really looking forward to. But I always start by talking about the tournament and what I'm looking for and how I'm picking these matches and what I'm thinking about and what I'm expecting. And I want to start with uh, the U.S. Open surface because there has been a change. Since 1978, the U.S. Open has used deco turf hard courts. In 2018, those deco turf courts were intentionally slowed down which is done by just more sand being added to the top layer. Uh, So that's why the courts changed in 2018, but it was still the same material, the same company, the same make, so to speak. And in 2020 now, for the first time in a very long time, uh, the U.S. Open is changing to a surface called Lakehold. I might be mispronouncing it. I haven't heard it pronounced. I've only read it. L-A-Y-K-O-L-D. Lakehold, Lakehold. Uh, That is the surface used at the Miami Open. It is the surface used at the New York Open, the 250 event with the black court. Um, So the first thing I did is I was curious about the court speed. The U.S. Open since 2018 has played really, really slow. And it's been hard for players to finish points. It's been a real grind. Um, And I was curious to see if maybe if that would continue, if it would not continue. And I didn't really get you a good answer. It's really hard to draw conclusions just from looking at Miami and looking at New York. Because if you look at the New York Open in 2019, uh, it's um, surface speed according to Tennis Abstract. Again, uh, now now this is is a slightly flawed metric, admittedly. um, You know, this is not kind of, it's not as accurate because it's not a Hawkeye measurement. But basically it takes into account um, how basically how many aces there are 
but it adjusts for it adjusts for uh, the the server. So it's not like if you have Isner in a match and you have Schwartzman in a match and Isner serves more aces, the algorithm is going to say that the surface that Isner played on is faster. It'll it'll adjust for the player, right? So so it's not the be all end all. But I tried to look up the tennis abstract abstract ratings, the speed ratings, to get an idea. And the New York Open is 15th out of 38 hardcourt tournaments. Miami in 2019 was 36th, which is the third slowest. So that's a huge discrepancy because New York, above average, faster. Now that is indoor. And Miami, 36th. But again, uh, Miami is at sea level, which means the ball doesn't fly through the air as fast. Uh, plus it's outdoors. Plus it tends to be somewhat windy. So there are so many factors that makes this so difficult to say. Here's my conclusion at the end of the day, because I can't really tell if these are going to be faster courts, lower courts, and I haven't heard anything from the two days that we've seen qualifying. I'm going to say the courts are going to continue to play how they have been playing. That's my guess in terms of, because I'm about to do a preview. So I need to put in my head how I think the courts are going to play. And even if it's inaccurate, I need to decide that in my mind before I pick tennis matches. I'm going to say they're going to still play slow. Why? Because this right here. This, what I'm holding up, if you're watching on YouTube, is a, can you see that? Is a Wilson US Open tennis ball. I play with them very often. They are slow. They get, this one has been played with a bunch, but they get very fuzzy very quickly. Um, They are heavy. They are the opposite of lively. And, you know, I've, I, if you compare them to Babolat balls or Dunlop balls, you'll find, you'll probably find, I've found, these play slower. So I think that's a big part of why the U.S. Open has played pretty slow as of late. And I will just assume that that is going to continue. But I want to make you aware that the surface has changed if you're not aware of that. What else am I looking for? So... Obviously, you have the no crowd thing, but that's player by player. I, I That's not really a blanket metric. But players are, they are not rusty. Let, let me be very clear. They are not rusty. They just aren't used to match play. They haven't played matches in a while. Players will probably get offended if you call them rusty because they've been, like, they're playing every day. So they're not rusty. They're they're training. The, the part that I think gets... Um, the part that becomes difficult is when you're not used to a match play, you normally don't play your best. You need to get used to feeling pressure, feeling nerves, uh, competing. It's it's a different level of, of, of stress, which uh, players will find they'll get tired quicker when they have that level of stress. They might... Um, they might simply have trouble playing as well as they have been on the practice courts. And the, the more match play you get, the, the better you're going to play. So my conclusion from that is I'm favoring bigger servers because that's a shot you can control. And I, the opponent I wouldn't want to play right now is an opponent that gives me no rhythm. Um, I wouldn't want to play someone with a lot of, you know, a lot of short points, a lot of unconventional stuff. I wouldn't want to play anyone with a very strange who hits a very strange ball, 
I'd want someone to give me um, a little bit more comfort, a little bit more rhythm, let me into the match, let me sink my teeth in, start to feel comfortable, get used to the match play. That's what I would want, and that, that's what I think players will want to play. I don't think players are going to want to face a lot of firepower, you know, and have to return serve and do a lot of stopping and starting and not playing long rallies. I, I don't think players will want that. They'll want to get a rhythm. So when I was picking these matches, I'm favoring big servers. Another thing I'm favoring is qualifiers. Now, there was a lot of carnage, I'd say, in the qualifying round. There are some promising players who lost that I would have uh, fancied to go far in this tournament, like a Brendan Nakashima, like a Yannick Sinner. Those two both lost um, in the first round. Um, but I, I do think that we could see some qualifiers make noise. They're the, they're the players who already feel good right now. They, they, they have two wins under their belt. So I like qualifiers here. My overall impressions of the draw when it came out. I do not think that this was a particularly balanced draw. I think Djokovic's quarter is very strong. I think Dominic Team's quarter is very strong. And you'll find, I think, the two quarters in the middle. Daniil Medvedev's quarter and Stefanos Tsitsipas's quarter. They're a lot weaker. So it's a, it's a strange draw to me. I don't think it's very balanced. Without further ado, let's get into the first quarter. The number one seed is Novak Djokovic. Top seeds in Djokovic's quarter, David Gafan, Denis Shapovalov, and Felix Auger-Aliassime. Remember, this is a Masters 1000 event. The seeds are only 1 through 16. So the draw is also pretty tiny, only 64 players. You get a lot of unseeded players who are really, really, really good players. Um, so top seeds, Shapovalov, Felix, and Gafan. Nothing, nothing really jumps off the page that I, that I want to talk about here. Um, my dark horse is Jan Leonard Struff. Struff is a guy who is, is the player who I described moments ago, a player who gives you no rhythm, a player who goes for broke, hits huge off both wings, and is really, really dangerous in best of three. Not quite as good in best of five, but a, a rather erratic player who I would, if I, if I haven't played a match in three months, I would hate to play on Leonard Struff. I just wouldn't want to play that guy. So I have him making a run um, to the quarterfinal. Uh, going through a couple of really good players. I mean, he's got Alex D. Menor in the first round, um, the winner of Marin Cilic, Denis Shapovalov, and uh, David Gafan. Upset alert, Denis Shapovalov. It's not that I don't think Denis Shapovalov will, uh, will play well, and also he should be very comfortable on these courts. These lake-hold courts are the same courts that he trains on um, in the offseason in Miami, so he should be quite comfortable. Um, but he, he faces Marin Cilic in the first round, who I was really impressed when I saw him in the Adria tour. I, I just thought that he looked very good, Cilic. Um, and then he would play the winner of Struff and Dimonor. So I just think Shep, Shapovalov has a really, really bad draw. Early popcorn, Shapovalov, Cilic round one. That should be a good one. So Djokovic and Struff in the quarterfinal here. I think Djokovic gets through. We go to Daniil Medvedev's quarter. Roberto Bautista Agut, Karen Hachinov, and Christian Garin are the seeds. This is a quarter that I think is 
probably the weakest quarter in the draw. My dark horse is Taylor Fritz. Fritz is a player who's really coming into his own. He's getting stronger and stronger, and his game is getting bigger and bigger. I was really impressed with how he was playing at World Team Tennis, serving in the mid-130s. If you don't think of Taylor Fritz as one of the players on tour who can really bomb his first serve, you should start thinking about him that way. And he's got a really big forehand and a backhand that is uh, not quite as big, but but very, very solid. He's very comfortable on that wing as well. He's not the quickest player. He's not the best athlete. What he's doing is he's building the tools around his game that will enable him to succeed anyway. He'll be comfortable on these courts um, at the U.S. Open. Upset alert, I have Karen Hatchinov um, playing Alexander Bublik in the first round. I wouldn't want to play Bublik again. Best of three. Um... Big server, unconventional game, tons of drop shots, goes to the net, gives you no rhythm. To me, that's the kind of player who is going to have success here. If if the if the play is going to be scratchy, if the play is going to be scratchy. One thing that won't be scratchy is the serving, because that just you know to me that's the shot that players will just have right away. Um, the rest will take a little bit longer. Early popcorn. I had a lot of trouble. You know, I don't really like this quarter. I don't think it's very good. But J.J. Wolf fits my two criteria. He's a qualifier. Um, so he's won two matches. And he, uh, he's he got a really big offensive game. He's got a massive game. J.J. Wolf's a guy who doesn't have a win on the ATP Tour. But I would begin to get used to hearing his name. He uh, played for Ohio State. I think he was probably one of the favorites to win the individual national championship this season. The season got cut short, coronavirus, and, and, and he went pro. He is an unbelievable athlete. He's an athlete to the likes, you know, that, I don't know, I mean, who, who can I compare him to? Like, he's, he's, explos he's as explosive as... <laughs> It's hard to compare him to, to, to someone. He's like, who who can I... I can't even think of a dude. Anyway, he's got... Because he, he's a little bit smaller than some of the strongest players on tour, right? He's got like Joe Wilfred Sanga-like strength. Uh, Tomas Burdich-like strength. But he's shorter and quicker. Like, he's got kind of Michael Chang quads. And he's a, he's super explosive, incredibly explosive. Oh, Hyun Chung. He's the kind of he's a Chung like athlete. Bigger upper body though, stronger player. Really big forehand, uh, really big serve. Attacking player goes to the net, and if he gets hot, watch out. So I went ahead. I put JJ Wolf in the quarterfinal because I also think he's got the weakest section in the entire draw. You got Hatchinov, Bublik, Pablo Carena Busta, Dusan Lajovic, Richard Gasquet. And Roberto Bautista Agu is is uh, his seed. No disrespect to RBA. Um, Fritz, I have losing to Medvedev, and I have Medvedev coming through in this quarter. So one last look. Oh, excuse, whoops. Here I'll go back. That's one last look at Medvedev's quarter, and we move on to Daniil. Or excuse me, Stefanos Tsitsipas's quarter. He is the four seed. It's the first time I can recall Tsitsipas having his own quarter in a match that is uh, that I previewed. I only really preview the Masters events and the majors. 
and this is the first time I remember writing Stefano Tsitsipas's quarter. The seeds in here are Matteo Berrettini, Diego Schwartzman, and John Isner. And this happens to be just like the big serving quarter. I don't know why this happens so often. So often I'm previewing this tournaments and like all the big servers are in the same quarter. I don't know why the heck this happens. This happens all the time. In this quarter, you have Berrettini, Opelka, um, John Isner, Kevin Anderson, and Hubie Hercotch. He's like a quasi-big server. Um, so like most of the big servers in the draw, they're kind of like in here for some reason. Really bad draw for Stefano Tsitsipas. You know, the players he doesn't want to face are the big the big servers, even more so. The you know, he just sometimes he struggles to get enough returns in play, so he doesn't want to face big big servers. He's got the winner of Edmund and Anderson. That's not great. So that's why Tsitsipas is on upset alert. I, I do have him like getting through until Hercotch, uh until he plays Hercotch. Um but not a good draw for Tsitsipas. That's why he's on my upset alert. My dark horse is Hercotch. Good attacking tennis. And and I, I'm just looking for him to, to make a push here in general. Hercotch is going to start playing better than, than people expect him to, in my opinion. Uh, I do have Berrettini going to the quarterfinal and beating Hubert Hercotch. My popcorn match is a big one for, for all the five-foot... Five foot nine and under people out there. Schwartzman versus Opelka. Always a big, big occasion for uh, the shorter players <laughs> with the height disparity. So I don't know. I didn't really know what to put. So I put the the battle of the heights there. Round two, Schwartzman Opelka. If it happens, um, you'd have Schwartzman would have to go through Casper Ruud and Opelka would have to beat Cam Norrie. Eh, pretty likely. Pretty likely round two matchup. Lastly, we have Dominic Team's quarter. The seeds are Alexander Zverev, Andre Rublev, and Grigor Dimitrov. My dark horse is Andy Murray. Doubt Andy Murray at your own peril here. Just in general. That's just a, a general rule here. If if you don't think Andy Murray is gonna have any more success on tour, I believe that you will be mistaken. My reasoning is really, really simple, and I think he kind of proved me right already last year when he won Antwerp on his comeback trail and experienced a setback, experienced a health setback at the Australian Open this year early on in 2020. Uh, but Andy Murray became great with the work he did from the ages 5 years old to 20 years old. That's when Andy Murray became great. That's when he became an exceptional world-class tennis player. You cannot erase that. You're just not going to erase that by not playing much and, and having hip surgery. I'm not saying that he's going to be the player that he was. Uh, but I would say even if he's lost a half a step of raw explosiveness, he's still going to be a good mover. His anticipation is still great. The way he moves around the court, the efficiency of his footwork is still exceptional. Andy Murray's still going to hit the tennis ball well. He is still going to have his his you know the same head that made him a, a three-time major champion and a consistently elite player on tour and he, he's gonna be he's gonna make some runs here and I think this is perfect he'll be completely fresh it's not best of five 
Um, so I would look for Andy Murray to make a run. As you can see, I have him getting all the way through to the quarterfinal. Um, and his section of the draw happens to be really, really strong. I think this quarter, this quarter has really three players who I who I was really high on going into this tournament and just going into to New York in general and the U.S. Open. Um, well, Murray less so in the best of five. I like him more this week. Fresh, best of three. Um, but Andre Rublev is in this quarter, and Dominic Thiem is in this quarter. So is Alexander Zverev. Uh, th this, is, this is a quarter where you're going to see, in my opinion, Grigor Dimitrov as well, of course, is one of the seeds. I, I think you're going to see a lot of popcorn, a lot of great matchups in this quarter. There's a lot of players who I'm high on. Um, especially in the top here, this is going to be intriguing. Early popcorn, Zverev versus TFO will face uh, Andy Murray. In, uh, or excuse me, the winner, I, I misspoke, the winner of Andy Murray and Francis TFO in round one. I do have Murray coming through. I think he'll enjoy that matchup. Um, I don't think that he'll be concerned at all with TFO's craftsmanship and his ability to play a lot of cat, cat and mouse points. A lot of net play, a lot of drop shots, mixing in the slice backhand, mixing in the junk ball, no no pace backhand. I think Andy Murray uh, will will be very well equipped. And the kick serve that TFO brings to the court. I see all of TFO's strengths lining up very well with Murray's strengths. And I think Murray comes through that and plays Alexander Zverev. And for, for Zverev, just in general, I'll, I'll have an eye on the second serve. I know he went to the semifinals in Australia. But for him to for him to have been double faulting as much as he was when, you know, in the exhibition matches, he, he just simply needs to shore that up if if I'm gonna trust him, if I'm gonna pick him to go far. Uh he's gotta get better at um with that. I wonder if Ferrer will will be in New York. I'm I'm not sure if Ferrer will be with him. So that'll be interesting. So the quarterfinal here, team versus Murray, and I have team coming through. Final weekend in the semifinals, Djokovic against Medvedev, team against Berrettini. And there's what I have. I have Djokovic beating Medvedev in three sets. This was a tough one for me. I think that if Medvedev is going to beat Djokovic, it would be in best of three. It would not be in best of five. Medvedev is, of course, the defending champion in Cincinnati. But remember, he's not actually defending these points. Daniil Medvedev literally cannot lose points this week. It's impossible for him to lose points because it's a 22-month ranking system. If if Daniil does not make the final, or does not win the title, I should say, he will still keep last year's points. It's the best result out of the two years. So he's not defending championship points, although he is the defending champion. I know, crazy. Uh, this was tough, though. I think this is, you know, Djokovic, it's still a tough matchup for Novak. We saw that again at the ATP Cup, which is the really... It's probably the best match that's been played in 2020. And they play long rallies. They play brutally long rallies. Um, I just think that if Djokovic is... I was tempted to pick Medvedev because if, if Novak isn't in great condition yet, if he's looking to peak a little bit later, the way Medvedev pushes Novak, I think Novak needs to have great fitness to to beat Daniil with, with, how, uh, with how long the rallies tend to be in this matchup. But... 
I just don't anticipate Medvedev will find the same blend of surprising aggression that he did in last year's Cincinnati match against Djokovic, where he started hitting two first serves. He abandoned the second serve, uh, where he was very unpredictable in his ability to rush the net, um, surprisingly, and just played with the kind of reckless abandon that I, I haven't seen in quite a bit from Medvedev. And I think it'll be difficult for Medvedev to channel the kind of tennis he was playing last summer because it's going to take a supreme amount of confidence. And he was just really flying high at that time. Um, and Medvedev, I'm sure I'll talk about it more before the U.S. Open, but Medvedev is 8-8 eight eight in his last 16 matches. And I continuously warn people against assuming that Daniil Medvedev is going to be the same player that we saw in the summer of 2019. Nonetheless, this would be the kind of match that he could defeat Novak in. Um, but I still went with Novak. Dominic Team, Matteo Berrettini. This is a, a tough matchup for Team, actually. The uh, career overall head-to-head -head is 2-2. Two, um, two two, and Berrettini beat him at the World Tour Finals. But this is a slower surface. Uh, Berrettini will test... Dominic Team serve, but but right now, last I saw, Dominic Team was really playing the kind of tennis that was uh, likely the best in the world on this kind of surface. So I will be picking him to to win the title here. I am not confident about anything here. I have zero data to work with. This is uh, this is tough. I've never felt I've never felt so. I guess, shaky trying to pick matches here. But um, I hope I gave you some things to think about at least. And I really, I don't think it's overly likely that in best of three, where both Djokovic and team will not be, I, I guess, where, where they haven't played a match in so long, I just would not be surprised if either one of them were upset. In terms of draw, though, I think, I think Dimitrov, Dimitrov, um, team has a great draw. He really doesn't play a lot of players who would concern me for for Dominic. Now him and Dimitrov can can play tight. Then then I have him playing Murray. He could play Rublev, who who might play great. And I'm very high on Rublev in general. Uh, Krajinovic in the second round. Now Djokovic plays Felix. I've been playing Struff. I've been playing uh, Tommy Paul in the first round. Now Paul will make him play, give him rhythm. But Felix and Struff are players who I think Novak feels if he gets enough balls back uh, that that they could beat themselves, which I think Djokovic obviously likes very much. Then Medvedev, uh, I discussed that. So I, I didn't pick against them, but I wouldn't be surprised if they lose right now. What I did here is I kind of picked how I see things shaking out um, in terms of how I'm feeling about players in New York. I, I do, I am bullish on Dominic Team over the next three weeks, and I'm looking forward to getting more data on that. I'm looking forward to seeing some tennis, hopefully, hopefully a lot of it from Team and Djokovic. Hopefully they go deep. The last thing I'll say is this: I don't think players want to lose early in Cincinnati. For the U.S. Open. I think they want to get some matches in. They want to get some confidence going. I don't know if the best thing is going to be to win Cincinnati. That might turn into a lot of tennis. That might put a lot of pressure. Let's say Djokovic or team win Cincinnati. Um, 
I think if they won Cincinnati, it would be very important that they didn't play a lot of long matches in the early stages of the U.S. Open. So it'll be very interesting. I don't think... I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to go deep in Cincinnati and then lose. Another thing that's nice about losing is you face adversity. You kind of, you're able to make adjustments. It's very hard to make adjustments and to tinker with things when you win. Because when you win, you don't want to change anything. But when you lose, you learn. You learn a lot more about yourself. So I almost think it might be better to lose late in this tournament. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe that's overthinking things. I, but I really don't think Djokovic or team or any of these guys, if you want to win the U.S. Open, I don't think you want to lose early in Cincinnati. I think you want to get some confidence going, some match play going. Because physically, physically, I think uh, the risk will be worth the reward of, of getting matches in. So we'll see what happens. I don't expect this to be my most accurate um, preview. I really don't. I mean, I, I haven't seen these guys play any tennis. It's kind of challenging. Kind of challenging to, to pick when you don't see them play tennis. So uh, that's my hunch. That's my feel. I like big servers, weird players, no rhythm. Medvedev's one of those guys, by the way. I, I would hate to play Medvedev. That's just a weird player to play. I'm not I'm not used to match play, and this guy is, is serving big and, you know, just giving me super low backhands and flat balls and mixing things up. And yeah, I, I wouldn't want to play Medvedev. Um, Djokovic, I just think will, will be really steady and, and I think he'll get a rhythm. Um, Dominic team has been the best player from what I've seen for this entire exhibition period when he's played over 30 matches and he's just looked impeccable. So again, I'm not going to ignore that. I know some people will just throw exhibition out the window, but I'm watching the guy play tennis, and he looks tremendous. But before the year, remember, I, I thought that by this time, by the end of 2020, I think team will be ready to make a big jump, to make a big statement, and to enter the elite class. Uh, Berrettini, another big server. So that's what I like. I like qualifiers to make some noise. I like big servers, big attacking players to make some noise. Keep an eye on the court speed, and um, I'm really, I can't wait. I can't wait. Some tennis, finally. Enjoy the tournament, everyone. I will be posting videos periodically, I believe, mid-tournament. If, uh, if a match catches my eye, I will uh, hopefully break down some matches one-off. And then the U.S. Open draw will be released Thursday, so I'll get to preview that. Um, and, the, and Monday match analysis. Monday morning, we will have a real-life ATP Masters 1000 level final to finally break down. I can't wait. Tennis is back. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.